This podcast is brought to you by Ram Horse Fencing and Stalls, the one-stop shop for your horse farm. Ram is family-owned and operated and has been in business for over 30 years. We welcome you to call in and speak with an expert about your next project today at 866-653-8984. Again, that's 866-653-8984. I'm Gretchen Foles, and today I'm joined by Trevor, Debbie, and Kristen, and our guest today is Amanda Held. Amanda is an equine specialist, facilitator, lifelong equestrian, and veteran with 17 years combined service in the United States Air Force and the Air National Guard. She loves to help people shift their perception to life, to live a life of radical appreciation. Amanda's passion is to travel and teach the process she personally used to heal from PTSD. Her work benefits clients on both a personal and professional level and allows them to create a life full of passion purpose, and inspiration. Amanda founded Hooves, Healing of Our Veterans Equine Services, with a vision to reach out to other veterans and share her healing experience. Since founding her nonprofit in 2009, she has helped hundreds of veterans and their family members with healing from PTSD, grief, and reintegration struggles. She has also rescued and rehabilitated over 100 horses, 10 of which were wild mustangs. Amanda currently resides in Grand Rapids, Ohio, with her husband, Justin, daughter, Joelle, and son, Trenton. Welcome, everyone. Hey there. Thank you so much (laughs) for having me. Yeah. So, Amanda, um, yesterday uh, I talked to you, and um, you had something you had called me about, and so we thought we'd kind of start out talking about what sometimes you find in the barn. (laughs) So. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, <laughs> my husband thought it was a diamond. <laughs> it was actually a plastic button. <laughs> okay, there you go. So you find things sometimes in the barn that you don't know are there. So <laughs> would have been nice if it would have been a diamond. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so, Amanda, do you want to talk a little bit about hooves? Sure, I would love to. Uh, well, as my intro said, I founded Hooves in 2009 in Grand Rapids, Ohio. In 2011, we became an official nonprofit. And I started out uh, taking what worked for me and my healing journey. And and I, a little bit of backstory, I had been diagnosed with PTSD while I was in the military, but it was not military-related. It was from childhood, and it was one of those things that wasn't dealt with. And so... It really incapacitated me, and and I was at one point basically a non-functioning human. And I went through the traditional mental health system, and I tried everything, and it didn't work, and I was on medication, and I didn't feel, and I didn't want to live the rest of my life that way. So I set out on my own journey of healing, and I found my healing in horses, and I also learned some incredibly valuable, uncommonly taught techniques that was able to actually help me completely remove my diagnosis of PTSD. So today I'm 100% healed from that. I I no longer have any symptoms, which is incredible. And when you're blessed in that way, the only way you can move forward is to help other people who are struggling find that same path. So that's what I did. And everything in my path has been divine. 
Um, there's not one thing that hasn't. So I had purchased this farm with my dad in 2006. I wanted to be, uh, I wanted to go to Rolex. I wanted to be in the Olympics. I wanted to be a big fancy horse trainer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, that wasn't the promise I made to God when I got that farm. I, I promised him I would use use that farm to help people. And I was not doing that. I was helping myself. And oddly enough, <laughs> things kind of just started to go awry and I had to gut check myself and look at who I was serving. And so even though we had built a very successful uh, business, we exploded over six months. We had 40 horses. I decided to take a different path and that that wasn't the way to go. And I asked everyone to leave and I was standing in an empty barn <laughs> Oh wow! with no income. And uh, that's really when I feel like God spoke to me and uh the very next day I had been asked to go down to Cincinnati. We had a, I had a relationship with the Bureau of Land Management. They would do adoption fairs with the Mustangs and I would go down as a clinician and show people what to do when they got their horse home. And oddly enough, I was driving down and I got a phone call from a guy named Rob who I didn't know. I don't even know to this day how he got my phone number. Mm. And he said, wow. Hey, there's a horse that's going to be there. It's a, a sulfur spring Mustang, and anyone that knows anything about Mustangs knows that they're really desirable herd. Well, this lady's not picking it up. Could you just get the horse for me? Sure, no problem. I've always got the trailer in case I see something I like. And when I brought the horse back, he met me at the farm, and he said, well, I do equine-assisted psychotherapy. Because people had said, well, you should get into therapeutic riding. You know, you yeah. should do this. You should do that. And it just nothing spoke to me. So he starts telling me this is for people with emotional struggles. And as he's describing it, I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's how I healed. Hmm. And and it was like the last piece of the puzzle. So within two weeks, I was on my way to get certified. Um, I've been attending workshops and certifications for the past 10 years with EGALA, which is the Equine Assisted Growth and Learning Association. So they've been pivotal in my training. I've also been really blessed to work with some groundbreaking coaches and human behaviorists in um, stress and trauma coaching. So I started then just um, working with individuals one-on-one, -on -one and Hooves became the nonprofit. We never accepted any money or did any fundraising because my dad just kind of supported everything right and i felt like we had just gotten off the ground and two days after christmas in 2013 he had a heart attack and passed away in the barn mm. and yep. what i thought at the time was crushing my entire life he was my best friend he was my business partner um you know i wasn't able to keep the farm without him sent me on an even bigger path of healing and recovery and um, I found a lot of challenge met with a lot of opportunity to expand my awareness and expand um, my ability to heal myself and in turn help other people heal and um, so from that I barn hopped <laughs> mm -hmm. for for several years and uh, it always felt like we were almost there we were almost there and um, and then that led me here in in October, moving into the Wilkins Road Farm. Nice. So, can you tell us a little bit about how the horses interact with the veterans? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, sometimes we call it magic, <laughs> but um, 
they say that the horse is a mirror to your soul, but to put a little bit of science behind it, horses can actually read our nonverbal cues at a magnified level. And if you think about walking down a hallway and running across someone and saying, oh, hey, how's your day? And the person turns back to you and they're like, oh, it's good. I'm having a good day. Like, clearly they're not having a good day. If you magnify that times 100, that's what the horses can see in us. So they're reading a twitch of the ear, a blink of the eye. Everything is communication to them. And you're so you're communicating. And then the horse is going to see the output of that and they're going to respond back to you exactly how you're showing up. And to give you an example of that, in the very first eight-hour workshop I did, I had a group of four veterans. And just on a side note, there's always a theme. Everyone that shows up for each uh, retreat, workshop, anything, it's always a theme. So they showed up, and I simply asked them to observe the horses and tell me what they saw. And as they were just standing there watching the horses, a horse that generally is a a very loving, in-your-pocket type of mare, I swear, I would say she'd lay on the couch with you if you'd let her, (laughs) started pacing the arena. And she started putting her ears back. And at one point, she was showing her teeth. Uh, And not even around anyone. And and if you know horses, that's not common horse behavior because they're flight animals first. And and she wasn't being engaged. She was just being observed. And uh, my my colleague was like, oh, man, we got to get this horse out of the arena. This is, uh, you know, could be dangerous. And and we're trained very well to avert any type of, you know, potential safety issue. But I said, no, this has happened three times now. There's a pattern something's going on this means something especially because she was so out of character so we always bring it back to the veterans and I said hey what's going on guys tell me about this horse what's this horse doing and the guy said well that horse is afraid and I'm going (laughs) 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 really (laughs) doesn't look very afraid to me so so I'm like okay you know I said tell me more what's going why is the horse afraid he said well the horse doesn't know us in a a different environment it has no idea what's expected out of it it doesn't know what it's supposed to do or how it's supposed to behave or or how you know we're it's going to be judged and then he kind of like grabbed his chest and he was like that's me that's how I feel Mm. and my family thinks I'm angry and aggressive but it's fear I'm, I'm afraid and so for him to just even admit that was tremendous and then we were able to say great well you can't take fear out of your life so we're not taking fear out of the arena today Mm -hmm. let's work through it what do you Mm -hmm. think the horse needs right now and he said well maybe if we could just harness it and i said okay (laughs) well (laughs) so he got a got one of the other veterans and they worked together and they put the halter on the horse and it was like instant The, the moment that halter was clipped that horse was a different animal and it became the bravest horse of the day, and it became the horse that led them through all the other exercises. And at the end of the day, we were able to say, okay, well, how can fear be a, a benefit to us? And they said, well, it kept us alive when we were deployed. It keeps our family safe. And, um, you know, really when we harness it, it's not it's not a bad thing. And, and that's what I've learned kind of through the horse is that anything that we can harness – won't hurt us or other people. And so that really became the theme 
for that retreat was harnessing your fear. Yeah, that's really cool. Wow. And these people don't know anything about horses. They haven't been around them before, so they don't know anything really about the horses at all. Before no. They, yep. They really don't. And, you know, every once in a while we'll get someone that does have experience. But I actually had in our August retreat, I had someone go through that was a horse trainer and had been in the horse world all of her life. And Mm -hmm. by the end of those three days, she was scratching her head because she, she, even though was a trainer, a very, you know, she's a bronze medal. She's a very good trainer. When she went through these exercises, it's different. You're not in that leadership role. You're actually letting the horse be your guide and your teacher and give you feedback on where you're at in your life. And even simple tasks that she knew that she could do went differently Hmm. because of the fashion that we were interacting with the animals. And each time the horses are different with each person, you see the personality, their personality is a little bit different with each person than the horse themselves and how they Every time. react with the person. Every time. Pretty interesting. I know all mm-hmm. 18 of those horses, like they were my mm-hmm. children, <laughs> their likes, their dislikes, what they react to, what right. they don't react to. And I will tell you that in this work, it is, they are always surprising me. Mm-hmm. I have uh, one Mustang that I still keep, you know, semi-wild. He's not been fully gentled. And, um, you know, you really can't just approach him. And one day I had a a young lady in there. She was a child of one of the veterans. Mm -hmm. And I had to get my clipboard. And I said, I'll be right back. You stand here. (laughs) I ran into the lounge, grabbed my clipboard, came back. She was hanging on his neck. Oh, wow. (laughs) He won't even let me do that. Wow. Wow. So, um, you know, mm-hmm. they will they will totally right. come out of character to be whatever they need to be for that person in that scene. And when I first started this work, there were times that I doubted or questioned the horses. And, you know, you when you're learning, you want to control the outcome for everyone because you can see where they need to go or where you think they need to go. And you want to guide them there. But that's not what this is about. It's not about leading someone. It's about holding that space and and my first mare the one that started the whole thing uh, mustang mare she this lady had something she had to overcome and she was trying to get her on the other side of this pole and uh and my mare was so good i'm like Aww. i know you know what you're supposed to be doing and she would not go over and i and i'm in the corner of the arena with my arms crossed and i'm like <laughs> you just go over that jump for her if she doesn't get that she's gonna leave here and feel horrible and i swear to you that my mayor stopped in her tracks and looked back at me and was like, stop it, mom. <laughs> I got this. <laughs> and what ended up happening oh, wow. in that in that session changed the course of this lady's life. And if it would have went the way I wanted it to, that moment wouldn't have happened. So it was, that was about eight years ago. And from that moment, I have never tried to control anything, any outcome in the arena. Mm. So we, we hold the space. Mm. So how long does it take for, um, is it different for each person, The if it's like a PTSD that they've been through that's been really, really difficult for them as opposed to maybe somebody who has like a milder case? I mean, it, does that take more or less time for each veteran? Or are these just um, like a so many hour program that you have set up for them? Well, everyone is different. Um, we, we ask everyone to come in to the retreat the three-day retreat, that's how they enter the program. And so uh, they come in on a Thursday night. Everyone just gets to know each other. S'mores is like our staple. (laughs) Every retreat, we're trying to invent new s'mores. So if anyone has any ideas. (laughs) (laughs) 
And then, and then Friday morning, I have a, we call the teachables. So I spend four hours just teaching them the, the layout of how I recovered. And some people get in the arena in that first exercise and they're just reduced to tears because they have massive res- revelations. Oh. And um, some people break through on Saturday. Saturday is solely focused on addiction. So um, I've never seen anyone that came into the program that didn't struggle with some form of addiction. So we, we target that on Saturday and sometimes that's where people have really big moments. And then there's always those people that hold on until Sunday morning. And, uh, you know, and again, in the beginning, I used to say, oh, what if someone doesn't doesn't break through? But it's never happened. We've never had anyone leave without their moment and the horses make sure that that happens. So um, sometimes it depends on the severity of the trauma while serving. Uh, Sometimes it's rooted in childhood stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes people are just not ready right away, comfort level. So there's a lot of factors. And we used to just do one day, eight-hour workshops, and we realized that that was not enough time for people to process because you will have a massive revelation. I've never seen anyone not Mm -hmm. have something big shown to them. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to make sure that they were in a safe place to process that before Mm -hmm. we sent them back Mm -hmm. home. It has to be so rewarding. You have to feel so good when you see people reach those moments, I'm sure. Um, And probably those around them, too, probably realize it and recognize it. And it's such a, I'm sure it's such so rewarding. It is. I can't not do it. I've tried. I've tried to not do this. I've tried to walk away because it it has been hard. And, uh, you know, we're a nonprofit and um, it's there's been my days where I'm like, okay, I can't do this anymore. But every time I've wanted to stop or quit or walk away, someone reaches out. Oh, I just wanted to tell you that I got my husband back. And thank you. We know that it's Hooves that did this for him. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, you know, I'm ready to shut down the operation, and then a donation check appears in the mailbox. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, I mean, I'm way past giving up at this point. Yeah. But, um, but it is rewarding just to see, follow all the families. And, and once they get through the retreat, they're invited back monthly. We do a service project. So we're really trying to educate the community on why veterans are important mm-hmm. and how beneficial they are. Mm-hmm. So we get together once a month, and uh, we've made sandwiches for the homeless. Or um, we did a empty bowls fundraiser where we made pottery to be auctioned off. Uh, next week we're going to do toys for tots. Nice. We're going to bag up the toys. So we really the second step of healing is serving. And so what happens is when these men and women come through the retreat, and they get their healing, and they know, then they want to go and help others. And, and serve as well. So we're really about the ripple effect. Huh. Wow. Wow. And how many, do you know about how many veterans have gone through your program so far, approximately, or an idea of how many? So it's been about th- 300 veterans and family members combined um, in the time that we've started. And so this is our first year doing the three-day retreats, and, and we have wow. 38 veterans that have wow. done a retreat. And you said they do come back monthly. Is that is there, or they come back to? They do. Some do, some don't. Um, some of our veterans are from uh, other areas. Yeah. So as far as Florida, and even we have two veterans that came from Canada. So we're trying to kind of expand again with with new needs comes new ideas. 
but the people that are are local in the community maybe they won't come back for two or three months but then maybe something else will happen and they'll just need a refresher or they'll have a new challenge Mm -hmm. i always tell everyone you're not going to leave and never have a problem again you're just going to know how to deal with them differently but sometimes if it's big and they need some support so we have that Mm -hmm. we have the online community and then we have the service community and then we also treat the whole family so not only do the veterans get to come through but this it's important for us that the spouses heal as well because they're usually the ones that carry the burden and so when we send the veteran home the spouse is like uh why do you get to be happy? I've had to deal with you for the past yeah. 10 years. Yeah. And, uh, and sure. obviously there's effects to the children as well. Sure. So mm-hmm. we don't take the kids overnight, but we have day workshops for the children. And then we, we do a lot of family stuff. So it's a, it's a whole family program. What would you say is your biggest success story? Oh, gosh. Um, my biggest success story would be the Pickett family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, Alyssa reached out to me. Actually, we were joking the other day. It's been... Uh, it was two years in October, and uh, she had walked into the den to find her husband with a forty-five in his mouth, Mm-mm-mm. ready to pull the trigger. My and uh, four or five combat tours in Iraq and Afghanistan. He served, and then he went back as security for another, I think, nine years. So, uh, you know, he was he was at the end of his rope, and with all of the common, you know. I was strong enough to fight a war. I should be strong enough to get better. Mm -hmm. And he just, he came to the end of his rope and and she walked in and she knew at that point that he had to get better. She -hmm. had to find something and he wasn't willing to seek regular treatment. So what I always like to say, she duped him into coming down. She called me. I said, hey, come down. I'll put you up in a bed and breakfast. Uh We'll come work with the horses. This was before the retreats or I, we had just started the workshops and didn't want to do any group work. So I said, just come here. So she told them that they were just going to stay at a bed and breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) When they got here, she said, by the way, I signed you up for this horse thing. And and he was pretty upset. So the first time I met Ryan, he was a little intimidating. Uh, He's a very big guy and he was very shut down. And it was funny because I use a variety of horses. So we have everything from minis to Clydesdales. I wondered about oh, cool. your minis too. Yeah, <laughs> yes. to tell us that after this. Absolutely. Yeah. So he really wanted one of the big horses to get him his breakthrough, and he wasn't paying much mind to the mini horse. And <laughs> um, after just a four-hour introductory session, that miniature horse got him his breakthrough. <laughs> <laughs> we still tease him. We still tease him. That's cute. But uh, but yeah, so he, you know, their family was incredibly broken. Alyssa didn't know if she could keep going, you know, with, with the relationship, and, and he didn't know if he was going to be alive. And they were really the epitome of people who are ready to do the work. Hmm. And so just that four hours created a massive shift in him, and then he, he couldn't wait for the next one and couldn't wait for the next one. And hmm. he came all year to every workshop, and sometimes begrudgingly, but he came. And then finally in October of 2016 no 17 we did our first three-day retreat and that was like that that was the icing on the cake for him that was where he had a massive transformation so they actually put their house on the market in july they're from port or st Clair, michigan two and a half hours away and they just moved here 
wow. to join the team. Mm-hmm. So um, that's really cool. He's my ambassador. <laughs> no, <laughs> wow. wow. Um, but and there's there's many more. Uh, we had a guy show up homeless with a backpack, um, addiction issues, and from that first workshop, he was so shut down he couldn't participate in the first three exercises. We just were, were like, just sit. Mm-hmm. You know, and he finally got up, and my one of my Mustangs, Ellie, got him his breakthrough, Aww. and he's been he's been sober for going on three years. <laughs> um, he has a, held a job, and he has a place to live, and now he's pursuing his dream as a race car driver. Wow! Oh, that's so cool. Wow. Yeah, that's exciting. So, Aww. yeah. Wow. Could you tell us a bit about your horses? Yes, I would love to tell you about my horses. Yeah. How many? Well, how many do you have? There's 18 of them. <laughs> Just 18. Some people call it a problem. I call it a passion. <laughs> we have two Clydesdales, um, two Percherons, a thoroughbred, a saddlebred quarter horse, a Tennessee Walker, uh, five Mustangs, five Minis, a Mini donkey, and a Mini cow, and we're done. <laughs> for the That's near future good to remember all of that <laughs> yeah they're kind of like my kids i probably know too much about all of them but um you know we have a cobra who is a mustang who's actually the sulfur spring mustang that i was supposed to get for that guy that guy ended up actually getting cancer and not taking him he's recovered now and back to serving but Somehow I ended up with this horse, begrudgingly, because I did not want another horse. And as a result of that, he sat wild. And I presume he has some trauma from his roundup because he was, I've worked with a lot of wild horses, and and he definitely had some extra trust issues, which happens to be perfect for the program because those people really having major uh, anxiety, trust, defiance, like, you really have to work to gain his trust, but when you do, it's one of the greatest accomplishments. So we've kind of left him uh, as is. You know, he can we can get him trimmed, <laughs> we can get his shots and get his teeth done, and other than that, you know, if you're totally right with yourself, he will approach you. Mm-hmm. And so he does a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um, but before he was gelded, he jumped the fence and he got uh he bred my my mustang mare (laughs) (laughs) shelby (laughs) and uh uh, i didn't know until about three weeks before she fold that she was even pregnant because she was just always pleasantly plump and uh so we got i don't know if you've ever seen the movie gone in 60 seconds oh yes okay (laughs) so cobra is the dad shelby is the mom and we had to name the baby eleanor (laughs) Oh, cool. That's cute. That's great. So they all have they all have car names except the one. His name's Cash. But mm-hmm. so we have an actual real family of horses, and then um, we have another rescue. He was saved off a slaughter truck um, out west. He was a reservation Mustang, and they're not protected under the law for slaughter. So, uh, so we have him. So we have this like almost real little family and so we have a lot of the families work with the family and Mm. you wouldn't believe how these horses fall into character it's Mm. unreal Mm. we have an exercise um, called moving day where half the arena is home and half the arena is the deployed location and you have to keep 
Cobra, the dad. You have to keep him down there. And you have to keep his family home. And then at the end, they reintegrate the horses. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's so powerful. But um, so he's cool. And I knew that Eleanor was just a really special gift. She started facilitating when she was four months old. Wow. And uh, uh, she's she's done a lot. And she's seven now, which is hard to believe. <laughs> so, so do you pair, like, when you know of different veterans coming, do you think in your mind, oh, I'm going to have this horse there for this person? Yes, sometimes. I, I'm always trying new avenues. But, yes, yeah, so I know if, if somebody's – dealing with a lot of apathy I'll use Shelby if someone has a uh, heavy grief I'll use Molly um, you know the anxiety I use Cobra so yes there are certain horses that I know kind of have tendencies to be better for certain conditions but one thing I started doing in the retreats over the summer is I have three pastures of four which works out great we use four horses generally um, of the full-size horses and I let the people pick so they'll come in and I'll say okay tonight you know we're just hanging out I want you to look at all these pastures and and get together and you guys are going to pick the pasture that you're the most drawn to so that's been a neat spin uh, on things but and and sometimes I'll pick and we actually had a group of older veterans Uh, we had our oldest she was a Vietnam veteran 70 or 68 years old and so we used the minis for them Aww. and we use the minis for the kids as well Aww. <laughs> they, Aww. Aww. they are safe. that's cute yeah it, it's adorable <laughs> it, it absolutely is and the donkey is the show stealer all the time oh. <laughs> all the time and it, you know it it's interesting because one of the exercises we do is we ask um the participants to build a jump that represents a challenge in their life and they have to get the horses to go over it And I did the workshop with my youngest group ever. Uh, The youngest in there was three. The oldest was eight. And I just did the same exercise. I said, hey, I want you guys to to build a jump and get get the little ponies over it. Well, I swear to you, no sooner did they get that jump built, the donkey on his own accord... Just over and over and over, like five times. I was like, I had I was trying to pull my camera out because I'm like, no one's gonna How does believe that happen. Me. Yeah, it just, like... it was such a great metaphor for wow. the for the the mind of children. They don't see Aww. barriers, right? Yeah, right. And uh, and I'm like I'm thinking about all the adults that have been so frustrated. Aww. Aww, <laughs> um, so it is. So you know, it, it even shows up in the children. The horses are very very different with the children. Mm-hmm. Could you tell us um, about your goals for this next year? Yes, we actually have some some really big goals. Um, twenty eighteen was a dynamite year. Uh, we set a lot of records as far as the how many people we've helped. We held eight retreats this year, and um, and it's just been amazing. And now we're in this beautiful farm, thanks to you, mm-hmm. Debbie, and <laughs> we're just. <laughs> blessed beyond measure um the farm has has been a game changer uh actually because now everyone's in a house they can make better connections and and so we are actually doing a capital campaign for the purchase of the farm i also have someone that's willing to build us an arena so our goal in 2019 is to have a heated indoor arena because right now we shut down in october and we don't open till april 
And there's nothing more sickening to me than getting a call from a veteran in crisis and saying, well, you Mm -hmm. can come out and I can work with you Mm -hmm. one-on-one, but but knowing that nothing is going to compare to these retreats. So I'm really confident uh, we have a lot of phenomenal community partners, a lot of people that have seen now firsthand what this program can do for veterans. So we also want to add, we did one spouse's retreat last year. We'd like to have two this year. Um, We're expanding an addiction program, if that's uh, a specific focus for people. And and we're really going to just try to welcome and embrace the community. We want people out there. We want people to know about what we're doing. That's nice. And being involved. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on our show, Amanda. Um, You can find Hooves at, um, can you say your website? Yep, www.hooves.us. And then you can also follow them on social media at Hooves for Vets. Um, next, we're going to have our canter banter, but short. Uh, but first, we're going to have a short break. <laughs> our next segment, Canter Banter, is brought to you by Ram Horse Fencing and Stalls, the one-stop shop for your horse farm. Ram is family-owned and operated and has been in business for over 30 years. We welcome you to call in and speak with an expert about your next project today at 866 653 8984. Again, that's 866-653-8984. And we're back. Today on our Canter Banter discussion, we will be talking about weekend trail riding. I'm joined with Amanda, Debbie, Kristen, and Trevor. Hi, guys. Gretchen. (laughs) (laughs) Gretchen. (laughs) So there's nothing better than weekend trail riding or trail riding, period. So... Um, and I think what's wonderful is where we're located, though, we're um, in Swanton, Ohio. We have one of the nicest uh, parks, metro parks that are in our area, Oak Openings. And I think there's something like 13,000, 13, 13, somewhere around trails. 000. I don't know how many, you know, but lots of trails. And so it's one of the most diverse parks um, uh, around. It's like Oak Openings is one of the top 10 metro parks in the United States. Mm-hmm because it's so diverse from like um, uh, sand dunes to pines to um, even some uh, little treppy kind of um, damp areas, that type of thing, but it's a beautiful park. And so we love to ride through the park. The trails are wonderful. It's so good for the horses. I think especially horses that um, have definitely been like in maybe a a routine where um, they've been in a barn or they've been uh, working hard for showing that type of thing. I think it's so good for a horse to get out and just be a horse and take trail rides. So, so were you saying thirteen hundred? I was, I was saying miles, fourteen thousand acres, acres, miles. I didn't know what we were. I talking. don't know the miles. She said, she said yeah. trails, yeah. and I, I <laughs> yeah, not, no, no, sorry, no, no. Yeah, and Beautiful, it's what, isn't it? For so all four ecosystems mm-hmm. join. Mm-hmm. Just in, it's an incredible. Some of the last prairie grasses in the United States are there. You won't see them any other place. So it's pretty diverse. Mm-hmm. But um, have you had a chance to really get out and ride on the trails then, Amanda, yet? Or not yet too much? Um, not since I've been at the new place. Okay. But in my youth, uh, we, well, you know, when you're a kid, you have lots of time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We used to go yeah. every weekend. But, uh, but I did go out once and... Um, it's it's absolutely a wonderful place. What's your favorite yeah. part? Mm. Well, go ahead. I would go say 
um, we walked through the pines mm-hmm. and the smell of the pines yes. and the cleanest, freshest air. It is incredible. It is. And the peace, you know, mm-hmm. the deers will come and um, there's just nothing like walking through that, that pine forest. And there's Absolutely. all the trees were planted or whatever, yeah, however right this was, that was, right in a row. And so we actually have a lot of cool photography that goes on. With it's that. called the spot. In quotes. (laughs) (laughs) You can find it on Instagram. The spot. I'll have to look that up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, My my husband, like, research it. He knows. I I wish I had him here. He knows everything. He always Mm -hmm. educates me with these side pieces about oak openings all the time. Like, did you know? (laughs) Well, they just built um, those tree houses, houses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. is really cool. You can stay in them. Um, So not only can you go riding, but you could also, like, stay the night in a treehouse. Okay, I haven't been there in a good while, but now I'm like, I live down the street, but I'm going to go check into (laughs) there. Yeah, don't miss out on our great, you know, uh, the the great, you know, we have these great outdoors and even um, up into Michigan. I mean, we have a lot of trails around here. We've got lots of friends that, you know, trailer Mm -hmm. their horses. They do weekend trips. They uh, do riding at night. Um, and, uh, they've had a lot of fun doing those things. So even not like, cause I mean, Oak opening, I've been there before I grew up around here and it's nice, but even if you can't make it there, there's like, there's a lot of Metro parks around this area. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's Mm -hmm. Oak openings and there's two more next to where I live. We have the most gray days out of, like, I think we are pretty close to Seattle at this point, I would think. <laughs> and like so it. to have those things to, to bring us joy <laughs> is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's nothing any nicer, I think, than getting out with your horse. And um, I think at Oak Openings, too, that's so nice because they have, uh, like, picnic benches every so often and places where you can tie your horses. Um and we've actually gone and trailed and had like taken a picnic lunch and stopped and yes, had you lunch when you lunch. Ride. Yes, <laughs> yes, I lunch whenever we and should ride together. Actually, I'll tell you, yeah, there's some, you know, actually the people that went with me made better food than I did, though, I did like them as well, too. So, but, um, and the stories that go along with it, you know, of the, the park itself is pretty interesting, but, um, that's so nice. Um, there's also a, a horseman's, the horseman's, uh, Concert. stop area oh, or yes. whatever. And they have a ramp to get back on your horse. They do. They <laughs> which do. Which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes it so nice to be able to get on at different places if you get off your horse or whatever the case may be. But um, I think, you know, even even for us, um, you know, taking um, a hobby, and it's not really a hobby, but something that you love, you're so passionate about, and then, to, you know, turning it into a business, which I don't know if you find that too, though, Amanda, but then you don't get the time sometimes to do the things you yes, love the most. Absolutely. So when you do get that opportunity, it is so nice to be able to just go out and uh, ride out uh, trail riding. It's so mm-hmm. nice. Mental health day. Yeah. So um, what do you guys do in your downtime when there's not much to do outside and in the barn? Well, there's always something to do in the barn. There's, <laughs> there's always work. <laughs> Every day is a work day. <laughs> I think horse horsemen know that that there's not one day out of the year that you don't have something to do. Um, there's always something that needs to be picked up, cleaned up, um, put away. Uh, you know, um, I don't know whatever Dusted, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you want hobbies? What are mm-hmm. other hobbies? Yeah, I think that'd be nice. So um, I like I do. My mom, I learned from her um, knitting, spinning, weaving. Um, 
I have like a it, it I need to do some of those things if you know when we have the dark days and their short days um, those are the things that I do mm-hmm. 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 do you have any other hobbies Amanda or? I just bought two kilns on marketplace <laughs> there you go <laughs> and That's uh, cool. yeah we we had gone to a shop and uh, painted mugs and they fire them for you and you go pick them up like a week later but I'm really impatient and I'm cheap, so I'm like, you know what? I can do this myself for less money and faster. Let's go get a kiln. <laughs> so it's been good, and nice. I need heart Now I need like horse ceramic molds, so I can give mm. them to my friends for Christmas. There you go. <laughs> what about you, Trevor? Oh, um, I don't know. I mean, this is totally off topic, but I myself am a designer, so I like designing and building stuff so my legos oh, yes, <laughs> do. Yep. i do love my legos but also um, my vinyl records help me keep my yeah. peace just listening mm-hmm. to them and listening to the cracks and the pops and i mm-hmm. forget about if it's already dark at like three what's okay. the oldest right. record that you have do you know um about i have one coming to me that is prince it's his purple rain at the region the original so, wow. mm-hmm. where do you find something like that? Uh, one of my friends, his parents. Wow. Yep. And they got all people. It, so, <laughs> <laughs> like, you can't buy that online. No, yeah. no. You can buy, like, the reissue, which I right. have, but That's I was like, no, I want the original. That would be nice. How cool. What about you, Gretchen? Oh, I'm a coffee person, so you can usually <laughs> find me at some coffee shop. <laughs> <laughs> and what about you, Mom? Oh. Um. <laughs> oh. Um. I like to do um, all sorts of things, whether it's spinning or weaving or um, trying to think of what else we've done. Um, you have your bees. Sewing. Yep. Embroidery. Bees. And she is great on social media, uh, Instagram, Facebook. She's a picture taker and a storyteller. Wow. And, um, you know, to follow Writing. her is, is a, a fun, well, thank a fun you. thing. Yeah. Thank you. It's fun to share with everybody. You know, it's just nice to be able to do. You so, tell stories. I, I am a storyteller. I can tell a mm-hmm. story. Good story. <laughs> Gretchen probably remembers some of those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us. Um, we hope you enjoyed listening to our podcast and encourage you to share with all your equestrian family and friends. You can tune in to the Late Night Riders podcast show every Friday night. Each episode will be uploaded exclusively on YouTube or you can subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with our latest shows. Do you have a topic you'd like to discuss? We want to hear from you. You may email us at ram at ramfence.com or feel free to leave a comment below. Thanks again for listening.